Welcome to Musically and Technically Speaking, a podcast where music and technology intersect. Hosted by Brenda Minch and Carol Bros. Tonight, Carol, Jen, and I talk about assessment in the music classroom. Good evening, ladies. How are you all doing? Good. Very well. It's spring is in the air. That it is. It's finally been warm out for a couple of days now, and we're starting, the kids are starting to get, you know, we're winding down the year, all the spring breaks are over, correct? Right. Yes. Okay. We've got a couple of state tests and some map testing, but really it's, you know, like I said, I'm doing my little grid for the end of the year, so it's that time to sort of get everything all put together. So we kind of thought that maybe this might be an okay time to talk a little bit about assessment. And it'll be interesting to see what all comes out of this conversation, because we didn't prep any of this, so I don't know what you guys are going to say. <laughs> right. <laughs> so who wants to start tonight? You can go, Jen. Okay. Um, trying to think. Well, I do a lot of different things, dependent on the grade level, since I only see my third and fourth graders once a week for the whole year, and then fifth through eighth is every day for a quarter. Um, But I do a lot of different things related to the instruments that we play, third through sixth do recorders, Um, sixth through eighth also do guitar. So um, the kids actually design it with me. They pick the, um, trying to think, they pick the songs that we use. They um, just, they pick levels. So we have easy, challenging, and what they named super duper hard. <laughs> and, the, and the kids pick their own level based on where they feel they are. And um, usually they're right on. And a lot of times they pick harder than I would have them, which is always good. So, um, so that's one major thing that I do in class. So it's collaborative. I mean, it's cooperative, I should say. It's cooperative yeah. on how how you decide together as to what the levels are. And then, so they've set up the parameters and then whether exactly. they hit it or not really is, you know. Mm-hmm. And they decide. What if you have a student who chooses the super duper hard one, but completely cannot do it when they get to the test? Do you say, okay, now let's go back and try the one that's a level below that? Honestly, I've never had it happen where they didn't recognize it themselves first. Oh, fantastic. Okay. They come to me and they say, can I switch levels? I bit off way more than I can chew. I'm like, absolutely. So, and they know that. I, I tell them that right away. I said, if you pick a level that's way too easy and beneath you, we can move up. If it's way too hard, we can move down. Um, and then, yeah, and they designed the rubrics with me too. So they're involved in every step. And we do, like, with third and fourth grade, we do a rhythm unit. And um, they designed the rubric for that as well. So that's another big one. They We try to make it a student focused and student-centered as possible. Yes, yes. So. That's so, key. Can you tell me, like, give me, on your on one of your rhythm units, give me an example of, like, the easy one to, like, what super-duper hard looks, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, 
it varies from group to group. And actually, we've had to up it because what I'm seeing is ha happening in second grade. They're already bypassing what we did the previous year in third and fourth grade. So every year I have to make it harder. Um, easy would be counting and clapping half notes, quarter notes, and eighth notes. Um, challenging would um, be the same thing. We'd include some 16th notes. And super, super hard involves like dotted eight sixteenth, dotted quarter eighth, because that seems to be harder for the kids to get that concept in their mind of, you know, one and a half feet. Right. Um, and more syncopated rhythm types of things. So, and they have to count it and clap it. They have to write in the rhythm, the counting underneath. Um, they have an option since they're all playing recorders by this point to um, also play it on the recorder. Hmm. So, but they have to clap it and count it. And then they get like a bonus point if they uh, play it on the recorder as well. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, that's nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I have um, my assessment. Um, I set up in the very beginning of the year, we have awards. And I set up all the things I have to do in order to get, like, the top music award. And then if they do something outside school, then they um, they get, you know, an Oscar award. So I set up, I, that's already set up. We go over it. And what we're going to do, they fill up a little form, and then that's the award they get. So, um that's how I work now. On the individual projects, it's particularly more composing. I have like a whole list of things that they have. They do two compositions. The first one, I don't give them anything. They just write a song. The second one has to have certain elements in it, and that's their second song. So, and then we assess as to what, how their song has improved. So very similar to yours where they choose, you know, I think because we have such a, such a huge amount of, differentiation within our music classes. I mean, we can have someone who barely knows how to read the notes to someone who's had nine years of piano. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have to make sure we allow that. You know, that we allow for the, the kid that really knows how to play, we say, okay, you got to up it up. Whereas the other child, like, you know, I said, listen, I really bit off too much I can chew. I, I You know, it's a little more difficult than I thought it was going to be. So um, I think all of us sort of take the kids what level they're at and expect them to grow. And everyone has a different growth spurt. I would completely agree. I do the same thing with um, compositions with my kids, too, where the first one is it's not graded. It's kind of I give comments towards them of things, and then they get to choose projects based on they get a list just like you do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, most of the kids go way above and beyond that and just want to keep making projects and stuff, so... Yeah, I'm going to put in the chat my fifth grade thing. Okay. I will try and add that to the links and when we put her right. up on the... Yeah, I'll, I'll put both of them, the fourth and the fifth. Okay. Because my, my sixth grade is just slightly different, you know, because here again, like you, Jen, I only see them, you know, for a quarter or a trimester. Whereas mm -hmm. the, the fourth and fifth I see all year round. So the assessments are completely different. Yep. And you can't... I mean, someone for you know, X amount. And I think as older they get, the more issues we were talking before we recorded this, you know, we've got different field trips, we've got different awards things, we've got days off, you know, some classes and some kids miss because they have to be taken out for testing. And so it's very difficult to be able to um, put together, you know, individual assessment short term, you know, with students because some of the kids aren't even there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you may have a kid, at least I've had kids, who have missed two or three days in a row, and they're on a, they got to be doing something different because, you know, they miss so much. So, so it, it goes in that, in that assessment. And I, I'll tell you, the Google Forms has really helped me out so much because I can just Google Form it and they can click on the things they have to click on, and that will be their assessment. Um, it's really helped me so much. So I'm not doing a lot of the inputting. They are. That makes, that that's a time saver. Oh, big time. All right. And then I can add up all the points and do all that. And we talk about lying and we talk about being honest and we talk about that all we want is growth from you. I'm not worried about your neighbor. You're not competing <laughs> against your neighbor. You're competing against yourself. You know, how much have you grown and what things have you done? And don't worry about the person next to you because they're on a different they're on a different scale. Once the kid understands that, then they really do want to see how they grow. They're not, you know, when you set up the class that they're competing against each other, that's when a lot of problems exist. When they're competing against themselves, that's when they can be honest and really, you know, write some really interesting things. So that's what I'm working on right now is I'm working on, you know, all of the little doodads. I'm going through right now making sure all the kids that are in fourth and fifth grade have all sing a solo in class and uh, because that's part of the thing they have to do. They have to cooperate of course. You know, I, that's always put that one down. Um, <laughs> they have to comment on some podcasts and they have to be able to play a little song on the piano. You know, little things like that along the way that they've done along the way but I sort of, you know, reiterate you know, on what we've done. So I think it's important that they understand that they've they've improved and they've uh, done something. You just can't have a music class where you just go and, and just sort of participate and then it doesn't mean anything. Well, and I think, you know, if they're just participating and it doesn't mean anything, you have to ask yourself why you're doing that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm always into purpose. What, you know, if you're teaching something, what is your purpose? You know, and see, purpose- that is why I think Long, long ago, when I was in school, we had, every, you know, we were doing what I called the bag of songs, and everything was performance-driven, which is why we had a spring concert and a fall concert and a winter concert, because you can't just sit down and sing songs for no good reason. And at the, when I was in school, they weren't focusing on teaching you, you know, the form of the song and, you know, the style of the song. You might get rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, right, the mechanics. They weren't teaching right. any mechanics. All it was 100% performance, but you see, that goes back to the 1930s and 40s. The, the music teachers back then came from the performing world. They didn't come from the academic world. True. They came from the performing world, and they really didn't know. There might have even been teachers out there that didn't even know about the mechanics. They were just worried about the performance. But now we have, I hopefully I feel good about this, but I think we truly do have teachers that are concerned about the mechanics and mixing it with the performance and mixing it with fun, you know, trying to get that good blend to really work because you can't totally do mechanics a hundred percent and you can't just totally have fun and blow off the class and you can't just not perform, <laughs> right. you know, trying to make those. And then you have to assess how you're doing. And I think as we're getting into this world of assessments that we better have in place as music people, some type of assessment tools that we can show look at the kids have progressed and to actually see it on paper because i think it's coming down the pike 
that we have to show some assessment and what we've done. And it can't just be a concert. If it is a concert, then what, what, why we picked the songs we did and why the kids improved. You know what I mean? It's that in that vein. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that, that's where we're at in, in, in that type of assessment. So I'm sort of covering my, my tracks this year. I, I made sure the kids all filled out forms and all did it. I mean, I have on my website, you know, forms and evaluations. And everyone has to fill out the evaluation. And I always leave a huge blank if they can say, what, is there anything else? And there's always one kid in the class that will write something that is so dramatic and so cool. And it's usually something that I need to change, you know. Uh, oh, you know, we did too much of this or we did not enough of that. And I take it to heart, those evaluations, you know, on what I should change and what I should do. One of the things I've discovered or started to refocus on this year particularly because we had a – at our district, we don't get evaluated by an administrator every year. I think it's every other year they come in and sit and listen to your room and, like, give you an actual in your, you know, in-your-room evaluation. And then the other year you have to do a, like, self-eval kind of thing where you make a plan at the beginning of the year and then set a goal for yourself and then yes. you're supposed to report on it. By the end of the year. So this year I decided to have focus a little bit more on assessment. And when I first started teaching, I did I spent lots of time like creating centers in my room that we would rotate through. And mainly the centers were, I mean, they were for learning. Yeah, you know, I thought about if they fit into the unit I was doing and all yeah. that business. But the real reason I had the centers was so that there could be some self-directed learning going on. Well, I ran one of the centers where the kids did whatever we were doing in the large group classes together with me on a more one to or small group right. situation. And the years that I did that, my first three or four years of teaching, I ended up producing students that matched pitch more correctly because, you know, I had some singing one-on-one -on -one with you so I could uh -huh. actually hear what you were doing with your voice. Um, and I ended up also producing students that could more accurately um, sight read a rhythm. Wow. Which I didn't, I have, I mean, I've kind of strayed away from that because I've been doing a lot of large group work and it's hard, you know, I think it was Jen, you were talking about differentiating then with mm -hmm. the easy and the super hard and all that. Without the small group assessment, I don't, I can't even begin to know where to differentiate because as music teachers, we see so many students and I'm not real good with um, keeping, you know, individual student information tied to that student in my head. Mm -hmm. So if Susie comes in on, on Tuesday, when I see her again on Thursday, I can't remember exactly what Susie could and couldn't do. Um, so that's where the, these individual small group assessments became really important for me. So I decided this year I was going to get back into that. And it's been really, really nice to like get some more one-on-one -on -one time with yeah. the kid. Yeah. And I think it's also um, because they know like they're going to have to come sing for me at least once a quarter um, so the boys that maybe would have just said, oh, well, I, you know, I'm not going to try and get into my head voice now are actually making an effort again because they know if I, they don't have it first quarter, well, we're going to do it again second quarter. And then if you don't have it second quarter, we're going to work on it a lot third quarter. <laughs> we're going to do it again fourth quarter until we have it. Mm -hmm. And so I, not only am I getting information from them, but I'm also getting, um, there's some bonding going on there because they, they see that I'm invested in their progress. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, it's very difficult. I, I think, in all honesty, the only way you get better is, is having private lessons. 
And I think it's very difficult when we have kids for once or twice or three times a week for our 20, 25, 30, or 40 minutes to truly, truly, like you said, get to know them as individuals and know where they need to be. I mean, and that's, like I said, that's the finesse in the classroom. And um, I agree with you totally, Brenda, on having little centers and having other kids work on other things so that you can take the time to work on those individual nuances that you need to do um, to, to get the kids going forward. Because that extra little five minutes that you spend with them, oh, brings in major dividends. It does. It does. It brings in huge dividends. And I really haven't, um, there's maybe been a couple of small projects that I, I haven't gotten to because I've had to invest that time, you know, other ways. But that has been, having the computers in my room has been really handy for that because, I mean, when I started my career and I did these centers, it was like a week's worth of work to try and get five centers up and running because, and, you know, you had to and train them, them how to do it and all the kids to do each one, too. Right. Uh-huh. So now I can just say, okay, we've done, you know, this little program and this little program and this little program on the computers, on the smart board during class. So today you get to go do it yourself. You can choose one of those three. And right. Phones go on, and then kids start, you know, rotating through to my desk, and you know, everyone's learning something. The last five minutes of class, we all come back together and talk about, you know, what did you do? Everybody who did activity one, raise your hand. Did you learn anything new? Tell me about it. You know, a little quick summary, and then we all leave. Yeah. And I, I always say it's it's good to get those gifted kids or whatever the I'm going to say gifted the kids that know what's going on, but off the side, and get them engage then you can work with the ones that need help and that's the hard part making sure everyone's sort of being you know and in the junior high setting it's more difficult right jen yeah i mean you try to keep them all engaged at the same time sometimes i feel like i'm that person with the balls (laughs) or the little plates you know you're trying to get every plate going at the same time you know and you think you almost got it going and you look over and you got two kids over there that are kicking each other and doing nothing You know, and you had already been over there five minutes before, and you thought everything was going forward. So, so Jen, yes, ma'am. Um, let's see, what year of teaching are you in these days? Well, this is my seventh overall. This is my third year at the school I'm at now, and also the third year doing general and vocal music. Okay, so in your third year of doing general and vocal music, has anything changed for you in the way that you do assessments? From the first year you did it to this year? Oh, absolutely. Um, Just, I think the biggest thing is regular assessment and keeping on top of it much more than I was um, and making it more meaningful and also utilizing rubrics a lot more um, than I did. And it also helps if parents come and say, well, why did my kid get this? And I can say, well, here's the rubric and here's where they they rated or scored on it, um, having that validation things um, helps a lot too. But I think overall it's just more meaningful assessment than I was doing and holding the kids accountable. Okay, so here's another question for you. It says you, you say you're using rubrics, which I have also used, but when you pull out a rubric for, for a parent, are you pulling out just the, like the rubric, the blank one, and explaining to them where they fell, or do you have like this huge paper file of all the rubrics for every student all year long? Uh, I don't keep them all year long, and I do have a file, and it gets cleaned out semi-regularly. 
Um, usually just kind of depends on where we're at and how long that's been. I also, I do keep some of them. Also, since I'm not tenured at the school yet, I show it at the end of the year when I meet with my principals for the summative evaluation um, to just show that I'm doing it. So I do keep those as examples of student work and as examples of the rubrics and things like that that I do in the music room. Because they don't, depending on when they observe, they don't always see that. Right. Unless I show it to them. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that file cabinet gets cleaned out on a yearly basis, usually the end of the year um, or beginning of the year. The, the custodians know, yeah, she's cleaning stuff out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they know what I'm in cleaning mode. So. All right, Carol, how about you? Anything change from the beginning of your teaching and career for assessment to now? Oh, yeah, I used to keep wait, wait, wait. notes. I got one other thing. Tell me, tell me, what year are you in right now? Oh, year 32. Year 32, okay. Um, I, 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 yeah, it's bad. Um, yeah, year 32, and I've been in my school district uh, 23 years, 22, 23 years. Okay. Um, and I used to keep copious notes. I mean, I used to just, oh my gosh, I, the first, the first day of school, I used to always type all the names up. People used to laugh and I used to type the names up on a typewriter and I had little folders and I kept track every single day who sang, who did this, who did that. I kept complete copious notes. Now I don't keep those copious notes. I, I mean, I do keep track of what the kids are doing, but I'm more into individualization. Different kids, I expect different things from them. And, you know, I have them every year. So I pretty much tell some of the kids that are slackers, I'll say, you're a slacker. You should be doing more. And they sort of look at me in this, you know, weird eye thing, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. So I demand a lot from some of my really high-end kids. And my other kids, I just want to make sure they're on the program, you know. And sometimes I've had kids who I thought were, you know, just sort of, you know, average children and they ended up being very gifted and that you know those are the ones that i you know uh i really try to watch out for but yeah i i don't keep as copious notes i don't keep records as much as i used to okay and i don't know that's just i don't know if it's just the way i am or i don't know i i like i said the google docs has changed my life i i have a lot of reports with the kids and um I like it because I can see, because it, it grades me. I also, part of the evaluation is about me. So it grades me, and I get more feedback on how I should teach. Right. I have to say that I think that in my, oh, geez. What, year, what year are you in? I, I knew you were going to ask that, and I was going to just try and remember what year am I in now. Uh, it's over 10, because I have the 10-year pin from school, but it's less than 15, because I haven't gotten that one yet. So how's that for an answer? I think this is your number 13. Thank goodness. See, that's how I keep track of my years of teaching. Every year, every five years, we get a pin from the district that I teach in. It says, yay, you've been teaching for another five years. And I have two now, so I know I have been teaching for at least ten years. Oh, are you hilarious? Aren't I, though? I'm not a numbers girl. Okay, so anyways, um, I think that I'm noticing that my assessment tends to be very, like, I tend to swing on a pendulum from, like, copious note-taking to just kind of observing the whole entire class back to copious note-taking. So I don't know that there's, like, I don't know if it's necessarily a, a learning curve because there are perks and not perks to doing both of those. Um, 
And I'm kind of in the, the middle of the pendulum swing right now. I'm doing a little bit of both. But I'm working my way back to copious notes. I can see it already. So there you go. That's where uh-huh. I'm at. Well, I think we all do about the same thing. I mean, but we just have our own methods that work for us. And that's the key. It has to work for you. Right. Yep. You can't, I, I can't give you mine. I can't use yours. I mean, you know, it's you have to be able to work within what you have. And I think we, we all agree that we have to have some type of reason why we're doing the project and some way of assessing the project. Yeah. And that includes the concerts. And that includes what? The concerts. Oh, yes, most certainly. The concert should never be the end. There should always be yeah. something after that. Right. I, I, I don't like it when music teachers say, well, I did my concert, and they got like three weeks left. I looked at them and said, so? You know, it's not over. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's lots of things you can do. And, and furthermore, let's talk about the concert. You know, um, my students at the band concert had a really hard time sitting and, and not listening to the people. And all I'm, I'm dealing with concert behavior this week with the fourth grade. You know, what does it look like? What does it sound like? What is it not? Exactly. It doesn't mean you get up and get drinks. It doesn't mean you go in the hall and run around in the hallway. You know, these are people performing. So we're going to talk about that, you know, in terms of uh, behavior. Right. And call them on it, you know, so. All right. I enjoyed hearing what everyone's doing, and I got some new things to think about for myself, even. So do I. I'm Those centers, I think you should talk about those sometime, Brenda. Okay, but not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, girls, it's been good talking to you. I think we're going to wrap this one up and we'll do another one some other time, okay? Okay. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like more information on any of the topics we discussed, all the links are on the blog.